Hey, um, uh, we're going to start in our new series uh, today. Kind of really, actually really excited about this. Uh, you know, I think um, we, um, we often feel, you know, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we oftentimes feel insecure. And uh, uh, my experience is that, that the people that can hide their insecurity the best are often the people that feel it the most. Is that, have you found that to be true? Yeah, a few people nodding. Uh, that seems to be the way it is. Why are we so insecure, right? And I, I think a lot of the time it's, it's because we believe things about ourselves that just aren't true, right? Because after all, we're made in the image of God, right? And He's not insecure, you know, in any way. So the question is, what did He create us to be like? What are we supposed to be like? What are the lies we believe about that and about ourselves? And how do we get past those wrong beliefs and become more like the people that we're meant to be, that we're designed to be? Uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at in our new series, uh, which is called Who Are We? Uh, Who Are We? And so we're going to look, about, uh, look at a few different things. We've mentioned this before, but we're going to look at who are we as Christians? Right? Like, what does that even mean? We're going to look at that this morning. Uh, then we're going to look at who are we as a church, right? So what are we supposed to do, right? As, as a local body of Jesus Christ, you know, um, what are we supposed to be doing? What, is, what does that even look like? Yep. Um, then we're going to look at who are we as individuals? You know, who does God say that we are? And how does that affect the way that we live and the way that we relate to other people? And then we're going to look at what does God want us to become, Right? Both, both as individuals and, and as, a, as a corporate body, um, what does God want us to be? Right? Uh, what needs changing in us and, and how do we make those changes? Right? And so I'm excited about this. Uh, um, it's going to be really good. So we're going to be, begin this morning with this, this question of what is a Christian? Right? And I need to apologise a little bit to the Linton's House Church Cluster because we looked at this about a year and a half ago. And some of you might remember that. Um, and uh, I kept going off and on different tangents looking at this, and I keep coming back to the same thing. So there's going to be a lot of review in this uh, for you guys. That's all right. Review's good for us. It was, it, I found it really good for me because um, it's really important to, to lay this foundation. All right. So uh, this year is a census year. We haven't had one for quite a while. Uh, 2018 was the last time we had a census. Remember filling out all those forms and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in the 2018 census, 37% of the population in New Zealand identified themselves as Christian. Let's say take Christian on the, the Christian box on the census form. 37%, right? Um, about 12% of the population said that they attend, they attend church regularly. Right? That's quite a disconnect there, isn't it? Um, a huge number of people who said they were Christians don't go to church. Yeah. Um, that's quite a disconnect. Uh, when I was in Scotland, uh, that was, we used to do um, church planting there in Scotland, and, and it was even more extreme. There, about 60% ticked Christian on the census form, and about 3.5% went to church. Yep. So um, just, yeah, massive disconnect. So when you start analysing this, you realise that the, the difference comes down to how do you define Christian? What do you mean when you say that? Right? Um, if we ask this question, what is a Canadian? We ask 10 people that question. You'd probably get 10 similar answers, right? A Canadian, someone from Canada, or you know, something, something like that, right? Um, but you ask 10 different people, 
Uh, what is a Christian? You might get 10 different answers. Yeah, true. Right? Some people would sort of say, well, you know, it's just kind of a tradition that you're born into. Right? So people who had that kind of belief would say, you know, sometimes you'll hear a phrase like, oh, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm not. Right? Uh, other people would say, um, no, no, it's, it's not about that at all. Right? It's about, um, you know, Jesus Christ has died and paid the price that was ours to pay. Right? And so we turn to, turn to him and, and say, we're sorry for what we've done. Uh, and we accept his rescue, right? his salvation. Right? And that's, that's what a Christian is. Right? Um, other people say, no, 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 it's more than that. Right? It's a follower of Christ. So it's about um, um, dedicating your whole life to this and, and doing what he wants us to do. Right? So like I say, you ask 10 different people, you get 10 different answers. And uh, um, so here's the thing about this. right? The term Christian and all of its derivatives only appears in the Bible three times, right, in the whole Bible. Uh, and so that means that there are some clues as to what it means, but it's not defined in any great detail. Okay. Um, and the other thing about it is it was a derogatory term, right? It was kind of a slander. It was a, it was a diss, all right, um, that was sort of against these people who were outside of mainstream Judaism, because they followed the teachings of Jesus Christ. Um, but the, the, the followers of Jesus never, never called themselves Christians, right? They never used this, this term to describe themselves. It's kind of like, you know, the, the term, you know, nerd or geek or redneck or something like that, right? Uh, you know, if you think about geek, um, it, was the, it was used as a term to describe a, a, a group of people in a negative way. Oh, he's such a geek, right? But over time... Right? People have kind of embraced this term, and now you see stuff like this. Right? We're the geek squad. We're here to fix your computer. Right? They just kind of embraced it. And that's kind of all we've done with the term Christian. It was a, it was a negative derogatory term, but over time we've kind of we've just embraced it. We, yeah, yeah, that's, that's us. And um, all three of the times when we see the term Christian used in the Bible, it's being used by outsiders to describe this group of people who are all acting in the, in the same way and following the same person. Right? Um, now, um, years ago, when I first started looking at this, I looked at what a lot of other people had written about this, and they sort of were trying to do what I had done, is try and uh, extract some clues from the different texts where, where this word Christian appears and, and see if they, they could figure it out. Uh, then I finally came across this sermon that sort of dealt with the reality that this word is not well defined in Scripture, and, and it it had a profound impact on me. And so I kind of stole the outline a little bit and, and shared it uh, with our house church in Scotland and it had a profound impact on them. And, um, and so we're going to start off in Acts chapter 11. If you want to turn your Bibles there or point your app there, Acts chapter 11. Uh, we're going to look at this. Uh, we'll be in about, start about verse 25. So uh, just a bit of a sort of backgrounder here. After the death of Jesus... This huge persecution broke out um, against the people that followed Jesus' teachings. And they were usually known as followers of the way. You'll see this term a few times in, in the book of Acts. The followers of the way, right? And there's this huge sort of persecution against them. And so a lot of them fled Jerusalem for their lives. You know, um, the persecution was, was pretty intense. Uh, and so a lot of them left and moved to, to other cities. Uh, got out of Jerusalem. And so a bunch of them ended up living in a city which is um, now in southern Turkey. 
and that city was called Antioch. And uh, so you ended up, in the first century here, you ended up with a fairly large number of these followers of the way, now living in Antioch. And they began to tell other Jewish people that lived there, but also just the citizens of Antioch, hey, God has done something incredible in the city of Jerusalem, right? And a man actually rose from the dead. And we saw him and, and we know a lot of other people who did too. And, and they, they shared the, the truth of Jesus Christ and, and all that. And so a whole bunch of these um, Greek-speaking, Roman-minded people um, in Antioch embraced this idea, right? And embraced this, this, this new group, this kind of sect of Judaism, uh, if you like, at the time. And, um, uh, you know, accepted that, you know, this, this Jesus back in Jerusalem, you rose, uh, you know, died and rose again, right? He paid the price for the sins of everyone in the world. And they connected with that. And a church gets established at Antioch. And um, so back in Jerusalem, a bit of a map here just to kind of point this out. So uh, Jerusalem's right down the bottom of your screens there. Antioch's kind of in the middle. And uh, so back in Jerusalem, you've got a whole bunch of the apostles there and you've got James and you've got the other James, the brother of Jesus, and you've got Peter and, and, uh, and the others. And so they decide to send Barnabas up to Antioch to sort of provide some, some teaching and training and encouragement and support for the believers up up there at, at Antioch. And so Barnabas gets up there and uh, when, he, when he arrives, he realises there are so many believers there that he's going to need some help. Now Saul, who would later be known by his, the Greek version of his name, Paul, uh, was just around the corner, just sort of across the bay at Tarsus, right, visiting his hometown there. And so Barnabas decides to go around to Tarsus and get Saul and bring him back to Antioch because he's going to need some help. Uh, and so that's kind of where we, we pick up the story here um, in uh, Acts chapter 11. So Acts chapter 11, verse number 25, uh, and it says this, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and they taught a great many people. Right? So again, you've got a large number of these sort of Greek-speaking people who, who have committed to this thing. Uh, and then check, check this out. And the disciples, and we'll come back to that in a minute, were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay. Now, they didn't call themselves that. Right? This was a, a label that was put on them. Um, and we get a fascinating look at this from another piece of writing that's not actually in the Bible. Um, uh, some of you may have heard of this guy, a Roman historian by the name of Cornelius Tacitus. You might have heard the name Tacitus. And Cornelius Tacitus wrote in the late first century. Uh, he died about, I think, uh, what have I got there? 117 AD, he died. But he lived a long time and he wrote about lots and lots of different, about four or five different Roman emperors. Yep, uh, kind of a historian. And a lot of what we know about these emperors um, is written by Tacitus, from the writings of Tacitus. And uh, he wrote about one particular um, emperor called Nero. And actually, most of what we know about Nero comes from, from Tacitus's writings. Um, because in 64 AD, Nero did something extraordinary. All right? Nero looked out at the city of Rome and went, yeah, don't like it so much. I think we need a new one. And so he decided to burn the old one down. Uh, and that's what he did. Right, and so uh, you know, pretty crazy, eh? and um, 
As you can imagine, that didn't go down too well. You know, when you burn down people's homes and, and their businesses and, and all that, uh, and they tend to get upset. So Nero decided to blame the fire on who? On the Christians. Yeah, you know how you know that? Um, from a piece of writing that I'm about to read you from, uh, written by Tacitus. Uh, here's what he said. Listen, listen to how uh, Tacitus describes this in the first century. He says, consequently, to get rid of the report, right, this is the report that Nero himself burned down the city. Um, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Okay. Uh, they didn't call themselves that, right? Christians didn't call themselves Christians. Uh, that's what the general population referred to them as, those Christians, right? Um, now, this is where it gets interesting, right? The, the, the word Christ is actually a title, right? Uh, the, the, the Hebrew word Messiah means, you know, the, the appointed one, the anointed one, the chosen one, right? And, and when you translate that into Greek, it's the word Christ has the the same kind of meaning. So it goes on the end. It's a bit like, um, you know, those lawyers who are QCs and, and they'll, it'll, their name will be Fred Smith QC. Right? That's kind of their title, the, Queen, the Queen's Council. I guess it's King's Council now, isn't it? KC, they'll be KC, Fred Smith KC, right? Uh, and so that, that is a title, right? Like Messiah, Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ, right? Um, a lot of times we, did, we don't understand that and we kind of think that it was his last name. You know, that there was, you know... Um, Joseph Christ and Mary Christ, you know, and they had Jesus Christ and, and Jude Christ and James Christ and, you know, the rest of the, the Christ family, you know. Uh, but that, it's actually not, it's a, it's a title. But evidently Tacitus didn't know that either and that's kind of what he was thinking. Uh, but here's what he says next. Um, this is pretty interesting. Um, he says, Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. Now, obviously, this is an incredible piece of corroborating evidence um, for the things that we see written in the New Testament, right? Pontius Pilate was the governor, Tiberius was the emperor, Jesus was crucified, right? The, the extreme penalty, uh, all of that. But the point of this is that there was these outsiders, this bunch of outsiders, looking at this movement, trying to come up with a name for it, and they called these people Christians. But Christians didn't call themselves that, okay? They call themselves something far more terrifying, right? Something far more well-defined uh, and something far more disturbing and far more convicting than Christians. Right? Like we say, one of the reasons you can't get five people to define Christianity the same way is that it's not defined with any great resolution in the Bible. Uh, there's this passage that we just looked at. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. There's a passage where Peter is talking about when you're being persecuted as a Christian. He's talking about that. And then there's another passage where Paul is kind of standing in, in front of a king and he's, he's, he's just, um, describing what he believes. And the guy says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Yeah, that's, that's the, the three times where we see it. Um, but if you look at the New Testament, uh, the Gospels and especially in the book of Acts, there is a term that is used very, very consistently to describe these people that were part of this kind of Jesus movement. Right? It's a terrifying term, and it is the term disciple. Right? Disciple. 
And the reason that it's a terrifying term and it should disturb you is because it's so clearly defined. Because you can kind of hide behind the term Christian or Christianity a little bit. Um, because you, you can, it's not well defined, so you just give it your own kind of definition a little bit. You know, and you can go to war in the name of Christianity or you can do all kinds of things and you can define it and redefine it and misdefine it and undefine it and do all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of stuff with, with Christian. But I'm telling you what, you, you lock into this word yeah, and you get into the New Testament uh, and oh my goodness, right? So here's a few examples, right? So there's the one that we just looked at, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Right now, so think about the significance of this term now. Um, if you'd asked the followers of Jesus what they called themselves, they would have said, I'm a disciple. Right? Um, the disciples, who called themselves disciples, were first called Christians at Antioch. Okay? So uh, what does the word disciple mean? Uh, the English word means exactly the same thing as the, as the Greek word that's translated from mathetes is the Greek word. It means a learner, a pupil, an apprentice, an adherent, or a follower of someone's teaching. Right? So just to kind of put it in, in, in general terms, a disciple is someone who says, um, I'm trying to make a decision. How would you handle this? Because um, that's how I'll handle it. I'm trying to decide how to respond to the situation. How would you, how would you respond? Because that's the way I'll do it. Right? Um, where would you go? Because that's where I'll go. What would you do if you were me? Because that's, that's what I'm going to do. Right? Uh, how would you react? How would you live your life? Uh, how would you manage your relationships? Because that's how I'll do it. Right? That's, that's what a disciple does. Um, a disciple is, is someone who, who's looking for instruction and direction on how to live life. And, and, and the answer is, right, how would you do this? And before you even give me the answer, my answer is yes, right? I'll, I'll, I'll do what, what you tell me to do, right? I'm your follower, I'm your disciple, right? That's very different to Christian, isn't it? That we give very broad definitions to. Uh, Christian is not well defined, but disciple really is, right? It really is. Um, and so you'll all be hoping at the end of this that I'm not going to say, which I'm not, right? Let's not call ourselves Christians anymore, right? Let's just call it, which, you know, which is kind of the point, right? That'd be a little bit hokey, um, but um, a little bit weird. But uh, it's very hard to, to dodge the word disciple and just redefine it. Yep. Uh, here's a couple of other examples. And you'll, you'll find these throughout the New Testament. This one's from Acts chapter 6, verse number 7. Then the word of God spread... And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Right? So this thing is spreading. Um, more people are connecting with their Savior and connecting to, to the group, and there are more disciples. Right? It, it's spreading. Um, uh, this one's interesting. This is uh, just, just uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. I've uh, got a couple here from Acts chapter 9, but uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. Um, and um, remember, Paul originally persecuted the church, right? He thought it was kind of a, some kind of aberrant cult, right? He was trying to stamp it out. And, um, and now he is one of them, right? And now he's become one of them. Uh, and it's, but it says, watch their reaction when he first turns up in, in Jerusalem. Acts 9, 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, Right now, this is not just 
the 12 apostles. They're also called disciples, uh, but this is a much, much wider group than that. It says, but they were all afraid of him. It did not believe that he was a disciple, right? They thought he was trying to infiltrate. This was some kind of trap, right, to arrest them and, you know, put them in prison and maybe have them executed or whatever, um, you know. So he tries to join the disciples. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. Okay, um, this one, uh, verse 36, just uh, about 10 verses down, Acts chapter 9, verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Okay, so her name is Tabitha in Aramaic. Uh, if you translate it into Greek, it's Dorcas. If you translate it into English, Gazelle. Yeah. Tabitha's a nice name, isn't it? Gazelle's a nice name. I'm not sure, you know, here's my daughter Dorcas. But anyway, um, so we've got this, this lady who's, who's a disciple and uh, says nice things about her. Um, it carries on. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Okay, So no gender barrier there, right? There were disciplettes as well. Yeah, and uh, um, women were disciples too. Um, and so the point is here, you know, we can sort of hide behind the word Christian, um, but if you look into the New Testament and you ask, what were these people really about? How did they, uh, how did they describe themselves? They res- referred to themselves and, and each other as disciples. And uh, this brings us to a kind of a uh, terrifying and disturbing question, which is this. Are we disciples? Are we disciples? Right? Or are we just Christians? You know, a lot of people tick that box on a census form. Um, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Is your answer yes, Jesus? Right? Doesn't matter what the question is. You know, uh, how would you do this? Because however you tell me, that's what I'm going to do. Right? Are you a disciple? That's that's kind of a lot more convicting, isn't it? There's a lot more responsibility in that one. Um, so what I want to do now is just take us quickly to a, a passage. Uh, where Jesus talks, about, uh, talks to people who want to be his disciples and he gives them the, okay, if you're going to be disciples and, and, and you know, not just something more vague, here's the bottom line, right? He says, if you don't hear anything else that I say or do anything else I do, here's, here's your specific marching orders. Uh, and this isn't going to be new, right? If you've been in church for any length of time, uh, you, you're not going to hear this and go, oh, I didn't know that was in there, right? Um, it, it's, it's not a new thing. Um, but um, if the followers of Jesus had followed just this one instruction that he gave them, um, you know, not, not the whole New Testament or, or, or anything like that, just or everything the Apostle Paul taught, but if, just, if we had just followed this one teaching of Jesus and got this right, our entire world would be an entirely different and, and better place. All right, so uh, we're going to be in the in book of John, chapter 13. And, uh, and here's what happens here. In, uh, it's the last Passover, right? And, and Jesus is going to be meeting with his disciples. Uh, and um, Judas has already left to go and betray him, right? to have him handed over. And uh, so this is his last, Jesus' last moment to give his disciples some advice, right? Before the whole crucifixion thing you know, gets into motion. And um, uh, what's he going to tell them? You know, what advice is he going to give them? The last piece of advice he's going to give them. Um, Here it is, John chapter 13, verse number 33. It says this. This is what he said. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You'll seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. And so now I say to you. 
So when he says, look, I'm leaving and you can't come, uh, everybody kind of freaks out, as you can imagine. You know, they've, they've put their life into this. Uh, and uh, Peter in particular, you know, this, this kind of freaks them out. And you can imagine um, that would be the case. Um, and, and you can imagine, kind of, I, I kind of imagine that the thoughts are going on in their heads, you know, and Peter says, what do you mean you're going and we can't come? And I can't come. Is Andrew going? Are you just leaving me out? What's, you know, what's, what's the deal here? You know, uh, he's sort of starting to, to panic. Uh, and so Peter's kind of obsessed with this idea that you're going somewhere and we can't go. But um, Jesus just kind of moves on and he says this, a new commandment I give to you. Right? Now, the little Greek word there that's translated new uh, can mean New, but it means new. That's a good translation, but it means new in the terms, in, in the sense of unusual, right? Strange, a little bit odd, uh, maybe impractical. Uh, even the kind of the idea of you never really thought of this before, right? Uh, and sitting here, most of you know what's coming next, right? You've probably heard this before. Uh, and even at the time, this wasn't that new on the surface, right? Jesus is like, okay, Lenin, guys. We had 12, we're down to 11. Listen up, you ready? And here's what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Right? And the disciples would be thinking, well, that's not really new. Right? In fact, that's in the Old Testament. And actually, we've heard you say it before. Um, love one another. Right? He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And he goes on. Uh, you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Right. Um, I want you to love one another the way that I have loved you. Right. Now, Jesus didn't do this, but he could easily have gone around the room, couldn't he? And he could have said, Matthew, do you remember what we were doing when, uh, what you were doing when we met? And Matthew would have gone, you're a tax collector, you know, because that, that was pretty bad bad thing to be, right? And Jesus could have said, yeah, that's right. You, were, you betrayed your people. Everybody hated you, right? Peter, you remember what happened when we met Matthew? Peter's like, yeah, you took us to a party at his place where there was a whole bunch of those kind of people, <laughs> you know? Um, you know um, and, and they didn't like to be around tax collectors. There were sort of sinners and then there was tax collectors, right? And that's Matthew, right? And you can say, Matthew... Remember how I treated you? Um, that's what I want you to do. Remember to the others, you know, how I treated Matthew? That's, that's how I want you to treat each other. I want you to love one another. Nathaniel, right? Remember, you know, his brother came to him and said, hey, we think we found the Messiah. Uh, he comes out of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, what good thing could come out of Nazareth? Nothing, nothing good can come out of Nazareth, right? He just dissed Jesus' whole family, right? That's quite disrespectful, isn't it? You know, I mean, you know, if, if someone just kind of does that to you, where, where you're from, yeah. Um, but how did Jesus treat him? He said, "Come and be one my follower." You know, and he could have gone around the room to every one of them and and done that, right? The way that I loved you, that's how I want you to love each other, right? Um, that's what I want. I want that to be the thing that characterizes your relationship with each other, with one another. And then he says this: by this, right? By this kind of one dynamic, this one relational breakthrough, by this all will know that you are my, what's the next word? Disciples. Disciples. If you have love 
one for another. See, it's, it's easy to say you're a Christian because you can give that a fairly wide definition. You know? But a disciple means love people the way Jesus loved them. Right? And now we're in a much smaller box, aren't we? That's a much tighter category when we, when we get to that. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot tougher. Um, here's my favorite part about this passage, right? Um, this is big, right? It's not how much you know about stuff or how much you know about the Bible. It's not, um, you know, how many things you're involved in and uh, how many moral actions you appear to have. Um, the litmus test, Jesus was saying, you know, the, 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 the bottom line characteristic that defines my disciples is not going to be, you know, how loud they sing and, and, uh, or pray or, or, or anything. It's going to be how much they love each other. How much they love each other. Right? And Peter raises his hand and Jesus says, yes, Peter. And Peter says, uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> you know, that was just sort of stuck in his head. You know, I can imagine him going, okay, <laughs> okay. Did you, did you not hear what I, what I just said? And Peter would be like, yeah, no, that's cool. But, but I want to go with you. I want to be seen with you. I want to die with you. you know, and Jesus is thinking, look, Peter, in a few hours, a teenage girl is going to intimidate you. Um, in saying you don't even know me, right? And Peter's like, no, no, I'm, I'm willing to die for you, right? Um, and, and, and Jesus is saying, look, Peter, I don't want you right now to go where I'm going or, or die for me. Um, yeah, that, that would come, you know. Um, but he said, you know, I want you to do something far more important than that, right? What is that? I want you to love these guys for the rest of your life, you know? Um, I want you to love them in such a way that when people from the outside look in and they see it and they see the way they, that you guys relate and, and the way you love each other, I want them to be drawn to the edge and peer in and go, look at the way they love each other. You know, uh, I want you to, to create a community of people who are defined and characterized by that kind of unconditional, uh, compassionate, ridiculous, who would do that kind of love? Right? I want people from the outside to, to look in, um, unafraid that they're going to be dragged into something and unafraid that you're going to accuse them of something. I want people to be able to come to the edge of your community, look in and go, look at the way the men treat the women. Right? Uh, look at the way uh, they treat widows. Right? Uh, look at how they treat sick people. Look at how the way the, way the, the women honour their husbands. Look at the way um, the women care for each other. Look at the way they honour children. How, how, you know, all of that. Look at what they do with their money. Look at how they handle persecution. Oh my goodness, it's like they don't even fear death, right? Look at them love. And Jesus said, I want you to go out and I want you to build communities like that. Um, and they're going to grow and expand and grow and expand. And people from the outside are going to be drawn to the edge. And they're going to start off, they're going to say, you know, I don't know if I want to become one of those. But I certainly would like to work for them, <laughs> work for one of them. You know, I don't know if I, uh, if I want to become one of those, but I, uh, uh, I actually wouldn't mind employing them. You know, when they mess up, they let you know. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, they're honest, you know, to a fault. Right? They're willing to do the right thing, even if it's going to cost them. Uh, financially, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to be one, but I, I wouldn't mind uh, my daughter marrying somebody like that, or my 
and my son marrying you know one of the women like that. Um, I don't know if I want to be one, but look at the way they love, right? And eventually that just kind of draws people in. Can you imagine in our community or in our neighborhood, uh, in our workplace or schools or whatever, even if we just got this one thing right, what a difference it would make. If we decided, forget Christian, we're going to be disciples, right? We're going to love people the way Jesus loved us, right? The way Jesus loves them. Uh, can you imagine what impact that would have on our whole country if, if we did that? Um, I'm going to love the people around me just like Jesus loved the people that followed him. Uh, and Jesus knew, right? He knew this. He could have talked about anything. This was his last moment. He could have talked about marriage or honesty or anything else. But this was the one thing that he said was going to be the distinguishing feature um, that people would know uh, they were a follower of his. Okay, so conclusion. Try this out this week, right? Try this out this week. And uh, you're surrounded by idiots, I know that, right? But Jesus was God in a body, right? And he had to put up with Peter going, wait, where are you going? (laughs) Uh, And Jesus still loved like this, right? Uh, Now, it won't come back to you, you know, this is not like one of those self-help books, you know, where, you know, uh, I did this for 10 days and now my husband is a different person, right? right, Nothing like that. Right? Uh, people won't treat you any better. Right? They, they crucified Jesus. Right? Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. Uh, but this is what it means to be a disciple. This is way beyond that kind of broad definition of Christian. Right? This is how the world changed. This is how an empire was toppled without an army. Because people crept to the edge of these churches, right? these ridiculous Jesus communities, and, and went, look at the way they treat each other. I'm not sure yet if I want to be a part of that, but I, you know, um, you know, I'm not sure. But yeah, maybe I do want to be a part of that. I'm not sure I believe yet, but I, yeah, you know, there's just something about that that draws people in. Um, we learn to love like that from Jesus, who loved so much. The Bible says he loved them to the end. They can literally be translated as he loved them to the uttermost. Right? He went to the wall for us. Right? Um, yeah, that's pretty sobering, isn't it? And Colin did a fantastic job of you know, pointing us to that at communion this morning. Um, now, some people have a very negative view of Christianity. And, uh, and if I'd seen the things that you've seen and, and experienced, you know, maybe I'd feel the same way. Right? Um, but all of us feel sh- uh, fall short, not only of God's standard, um, but, you know, we've talked about this before. Of our own standards, we set standards for ourselves and don't meet them, you know. Uh, and so we need to figure out what we're going to do with our failure. Uh, and I would hate you to miss that because Christianity has been poorly represented to you in some way, right? And, um, the, and it's been so badly represented to you that you miss what it is that Jesus has done for you, right? Tortured to death, Right? a punishment you should have taken. Right? That's how much he loved. That's how much he loved. If you, if you haven't ever gone, hey, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, I, I, you know, thank you for doing that for me. Um, now's the time. Now's the time. If you want to talk to somebody about that, find me or, or you know, one of us and, and, and have a chat, um, do that. If you've done that, right, 
disciples, right? That's how we define ourselves. Love people like Jesus loved us. You know, love people like, I keep pointing to that one, and everyone's like, oh, it's back there. Yeah, love people like Jesus uh, loved us. Um, yeah, whoa, it's big, isn't it? Cool, all right, let's pray, and then I'll hand back over to, uh, to Craig. Hey, Father, uh, again, um, we thank you for that love. We thank you for um, what it took for you as a father to give up your only son. Uh, we thank you for Jesus coming in, uh, instructing and teaching us and um, uh, coming knowing that he was going to go through that. Um, and even when he had options to, to, to not go through it, he did it anyway. He, lo- he loved us to the uttermost. And we thank you for that this morning. Well, we just pray that we would be a people who would be so impacted by that uh, that it would affect every relationship we have and that we would love each other with that kind of love um, and that people would see it um, be affected, be drawn in and be changed. Uh, that's our prayer this morning. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to carry on with the series. We'll, go, we'll be in, uh, going to start next week. Um, Bardo is going to give us an overview of Peter and then we're going to get into First Peter and pull out, because what does it mean to love like that? How do you, how do you draw out the, um, you know, we can say, oh, love each other, but how how do we draw that out? And Peter defines that really well for us. So we go through the book. Exciting stuff. 